Good morning, Grace Community Fellowship. <laughs> it's an absolute honor to be here with each of you this morning. Um, and for those of you who are joining us online, welcome. Thank you to those of you, the music team, Larry, the prayer, the scripture, all tied in to what I'm going to talk about today. Um, thank you for helping us focus our thoughts on the heart of heaven, Jesus Christ. My name is Angie Paulson. Uh, I am the worship director here at Grace Community Fellowship. Like I said, it's an honor, an absolute honor to proclaim God's word this morning through me speaking and you listening while sitting there. Uh, usually I am singing God's word with you on Sundays, so this is a special treat. I was asked on Saturday, so um, yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, I'll preach, sure. So, <laughs> but I'm, an, I'm honored that the elders asked me to, to preach today, and um, I pray that it's a blessing for you this morning, as much as it was for me to prepare. So before I get started, let's pray together. Our hearts are already where they need to be, I believe, the Lord leading worship this morning, but let's join our hearts together. Lord Jesus, thank you for stretching out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross. so that everyone might come within reach of your saving embrace. Clothe us in your spirit, so that we, reaching forth our hands of love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge of love of you for the honor of your name. Amen. So, the title of my message this morning is Worship big surprise. Um, I mean, what else was I going to be right? Okay, worship. Uh, the question is, what is the definition of worship? Anybody? Any takers? Not all at once. I'm kidding. Defining worship is like defining God. He has a lot of names, right? And uh, worship has a lot of angles. It can have several different meanings. Can you guys hear me okay? We're good? Okay. The sermon today is not going to be a typical exegesis, which means ex expansion of one's particular scripture, uh, but rather something to just probe your heart and break into your heart, hopefully, so that you can look through a lens that you may not have otherwise. Um, today we will talk about worship, not about music, um, a little bit, of course, but, but about, right? I can't get away from it, right, Margaret? Can't. But about worship as a posture of the heart or an attitude of the heart. Um, oftentimes, we pray for the Holy Spirit to come, to be in this place, but he is here. He's here. Uh, one of my professors at my doctoral program, um, he's an Episcopalian priest. He told us that uh, scholars believe that when Jesus ascended, the, the root word means he went out. We think he went up, but the root word means he went out. 
So then where is heaven? In the clouds? Heaven is here. In space, in this time, right here. He's omnipresent, vast, infinite, yet he is near all at once. And the Holy Spirit lives under our skin. Go ahead and just grab your skin right there. Just, yes, yes. He lives in you. He's omnipresent, yet he's near. He is present right now. So I love that song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We worship the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I do like to talk to the Holy Spirit because I know he's here. He's with us, right? I acknowledge him. Uh, another one of my professors was doing a freshman orientation, and I will never forget this. Uh, he said, you know, to this whole group of brand new students, he welcomed us, welcome to IWS. You will die. I knew what he was talking about because I had spent uh, a lot of my years repenting of sin, um, particularly in preparation for the worship service. Um, you know, I really, I would take hours before I even arrived at the church, I would get on my knees, um, asking God to forgive me of my sins. Um, and I would name them off one by one, at least the sins that I knew of. And then I would sit there and ask him to show me the sins that I wasn't even aware of. And... Um, you know, I'd ask for forgiveness, and I'd heard a lot of sermons in the denomination that I was in, which is actually non-denominational, um, <laughs> talking about repentance. It was a big theme in, in my church, and, and the importance of acknowledging sin for sin. The goal of repentance was to be real with God, because he already knew it was, it was a relationship with him. It was, it was getting real before my God, because he already knew what I was doing, and um, to die daily. I knew to die to my flesh, die to myself. Leave myself at the door when I walk in the church, when I walk in any situation, die to self. Another term we use in worship services, is le it's a Latin term, it's called lex orandi, lex credendi. And it means we are what we pray, and we pray what we are. So when we come here in the worship service, we practice our interaction with heaven in worship, and then we also walk out throughout the week. So we have corporate confession of sin, repentance, and then also throughout the week, individual repentance, right? Anybody else? Yeah? Okay. Um, and hopefully the practices and meditations that we take, we do on Sunday morning, bleed over into our daily walk. It, it preps our heart. We have a heart posture. So we come here on Sunday, we practice heaven, so that when we're out in the world, we have this pattern embedded in us. So now we are practicing repentance throughout the week, right? And hopefully participating in heaven, because heaven is here. We die to ourself. When we walk in the door on Sunday, we leave ourselves at the door. 
We repent. So repentance is one aspect of worship in the service. Okay, just one. There's a lot of aspects that we do. We took maybe what Mike led us in repentance for maybe a minute. Okay, so we do a lot of things in the worship service. But I just want to give one little glimpse. So what is worship then? Y'all with me still? We're good? Okay. Like I said, for the sake of today and the short time we have, um, it's an approach of the heart. It is a posture or an attitude of the heart, the way we carry or bear the light with a capital L. Worship is a posture of the heart. It means to be close to the heart of God. When we're close to the heart of God, we embody scripture. The capital S. Capital S. When we're close to the heart of God, we embody scripture. And by embody, I mean with God, literally the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Right? So we speak scripture, we walk it out. Christians exemplify, represent, personify, or express God. When we embody scripture, we are in unison with God. Michael said the word unison several times today. I in him and he in me. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf right now. The same Holy Spirit that is within Jesus Christ dwells within me and you. We are in unison with God. And especially when we're acknowledging him and spending time with him. We pause. We think on him. We try to understand his heart when we come to the worship service. We nurture our relationship with him so that we can know him and reflect his image to others. That's the goal, right? Again, we leave ourselves at the door. We become vulnerable. We're real. We become real. We practice heaven. We participate in heaven. And we are now participating in the pattern of heaven. And churches all over the world are practicing this heaven on Sundays. All over the world. They practice Trinitarian worship. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The church Catholic, little c. Meaning the church at large. All Christian denominations participate in heaven on Sunday mornings and throughout the week. So keep all that in mind. Now I'm going to jump to uh, a topic. What is your culture? I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story, and I want you to keep this question in mind as I'm telling you my story, okay? What is your culture? Think about this as I'm telling you this. Now, as I give you my context and my culture, I just want you to keep in mind I've led, when I would present this in other places, these were, so like at my school in Florida, um, there were people there from all over the world, so Russia, Asia, people who didn't really speak my language, definitely didn't have the same skin color as me, so I had to give a real vast introduction. Um, So I'm a fifth-generation Montanan. Helena is the capital of Montana, the fourth-largest state in the United States. I lived in Montana until I was 30 and then moved as a military spouse. I have a large extended family in Montana. 
My full name is Angela Michelle Paulson. Most of my friends call me Ange, Angela, Angelina. My dad calls me the bear. I know some of you would like to use that and say, oh, it's, I know why, because she's the grizzly bear. No, it's because of Winnie the Pooh. I used to hibernate also in the long winters as a teenager. I'm sure some of you can relate. Um, and also bears are my favorite animal, so tells you a little bit about me. Um, my family is mostly Scandinavian in descent. My parents and grandparents are from Denmark and Norway mostly. Uh, Montana has eight Native American Indian reservations. The pop population is predominantly Caucasian. Most people have white skin where we're from, okay? Um, not at my school. Uh, in fact, I would be asked to lead worship there in this worldwide school. And sometimes it was the night before, thankfully. Sometimes it was the morning of. Uh, the pastor would say, Angie, I want you to learn this song. There's four different languages in here. Swahili, Mandarin, uh, Russian, and I don't know the other one. Uh, I just know it was a language I didn't know. I was willing, okay, yes, Lord, I will do that, and would lead worship. You know, it's the heart language of the people there. How, how special to them to be in our country, we're singing their language. Um, uh, also, when I was leading worship in Hawaii, uh, the pastor asked me, I mean, we had this really comfortable worship service. Not comfortable. I knew it well. It was my denomination. It's where I come from. I loved it. I was like, oh, this is, this church is thriving. Well, my pastor, we had an awesome relationship. He said, Angie, we're going to do a church plant. Uh, we want you to send you over there for, until the church gets off the ground long is that going to take? A year? I don't know. But um, Savannah was a baby at the time. Savannah, Avery was like, he was about 11 years old, and my ex-husband was deployed at the time. So here I am in Hawaii on an island. He said, I want you to go church plant over here, but it's in Spanish. The whole service is in Spanish. So uh, guess what I did? I learned how to lead worship in Spanish. So um, and that church got off the ground. I mean, it was like not, I didn't have that long to prepare. It was like two weeks. Um, so, and I had to talk to some of them. I'm like, How, if I sing this part of the vowel, is that the way you would sing it? No. Okay, we'll switch some of these words around, you know. So, but we did get that off the ground and then worked with some of those musicians. Then I went back to the other church. So that's just, was really neat. I'm going to go back to my culture a little bit here, though. I am mom to Savannah who some of you know, she's 12 years old. She loves volleyball, basketball, and horses. I would say that Savannah embodies the joy of God on this earth. I'm mom to Avery, he's my son, he's 21. He's a senior at Arizona State University. He has a 4.0 in biochemistry medicinal. Uh, yeah, he's got a minor in mathematics. I would say Avery embodies the peace of God on earth. Just uh, last week, he, he told me how crushed he was about what was going on in Israel. This is my 21-year-old son, okay? He said, I'm fasting and praying this week, Mom. Avery embodies a lot more than the peace of God on this earth. He's a good kid. He loves the Lord. I've been leading worship and ministering for 20 years. 
My undergraduate degree is in political science. My minor is in Native American studies. My master's degree is in worship. My doctoral advanced certificate in is in worship. I come from a family that served and serves God's people. My late grandmother, Betty Paulson, uh, served as a music minister. This is off of our website, so bear with me. I'm reading this. <laughs> um, uh, my late grandmother, Betty Paulson, served as a music minister in the Presbyterian Church. Some of you knew her. Uh, my father, Jim Paulson, serves uh, here at Grace Community Fellowship as an elder, soon to be a seated elder. Uh, my worship leading began in Helena, Montana at, in One Accord, Morning Star Fellowship, which is no longer, and then Capital City Christian Church, which is also no longer, and then Fortress of Joy that is still going. I still, I love that church family over there as well. Grace Community Fellowship is also where I'm at now. I led in, and served several city and statewide interdenominational worship gatherings in Montana. Keep in mind, this is all part of the sermon. I'm not trying to give you a list of who I am, but I kind of am. Okay, okay, so kind of. Over the years, I've served as the Protestant Chapel worship leader in Hawaii, Kansas, New York. Uh, Protestant Women of the Ta Chapel, I was the Titus II chair. I was the spiritual life chair and the worship leader chair. I guest led worship across the U.S., traveling on ministry teams. I helped as a pastoral musician and coordinate music for our Faith Fellowship Church in Watertown, New York, and at the Robert E. Weber Institute of Worship Studies in Florida. Um, I have served in several denominations. I've led worship in an Anglican church, Presbyterian church, Baptist church, Pentecostal church, Charismatic, Methodist, Evangelical, and non-denominational churches. I currently serve here. Now I'm going to go backwards a little bit. I was a shy little girl. Um, my two older brothers were very protective of me. I'm so thankful that my dad was and still is one of my best friends. He embodies the qualities of our Heavenly Father. My childhood was not perfect. I know some were, had it worse than me. Without getting into too many de details, and out of respect for people that I love, um, you should know that my mom did leave me when I was a little girl um, for most of my childhood. And I can tell you that my most vulnerable times as a child were when I would come home after school and play the piano. I would just play. I didn't have any training. And I would just sit and sing songs. I would write songs. It was with music that I could express my feelings and be real before God. I'm sure many of you feel that same way on Sunday morning. Music notes have a way of taking us to a place of vulnerability. If you're in a sad moment, you can use a minor chord. If you're praising Jesus, you can use a major note. I feel like music on Sunday mornings is the soundtrack of heaven. It can be a soundtrack to God's word. What a beautiful creation. I believe worship is a posture of vulnerability. 
before God and one another. It is a posture of the heart. I told you the story of my culture because I want to encourage you all to spend time this week reflecting on your culture, the church you were raised in or weren't. In my school, we call it in an indigenous lens, the view in which we view what we come from, the culture, how we view the world. It's important for you to know your culture so you're aware that the person next to you comes from a culture too. Their culture is equally as significant as yours. I want to tell you a story of a priest of 20 years that graduated from Harvard and taught at Yale, preached to thousands in his lifetime. But after many years of being relevant and known amongst Christian leaders, God called him to live in a house of the mentally handicapped. What struck him about his new living arrangement was that his credentials were no longer relevant. He had to put the knowledge he had of God into action. The handicapped people could care less about his Yale degree. They didn't even know what Yale was. The handicapped people's likings or dislikings of him had nothing to do with the many things he had done until then. Since nobody could read his books, the books could not impress anyone. And since most of them had never even went to school, his 20 years at Notre Dame, Yale, and Harvard did not provide a significant introduction. I told you this story about the priest because he embodied the scripture and let go of his relevant self so that he could give and receive love regardless of his credentials. He was vulnerable. This is a vulnerable type of love, not a relevant self. This is the type of love we want to embody, that we're called to embody, because it's the way Jesus came to reveal God's love. I can't think of a more vulnerable human than a baby. We're talking about the God of the universe that broke into history, the same God that would stretch out his arms on a wooden cross and die. Pretty sure the form of a baby is God of the universe leaving his relevant self somewhere else. This is the most significant story in the history of the entire world. I told you my story because we all have a story from a specific time in a specific place where God broke into our hearts. And maybe he still needs to break into your heart. I know he still breaks into my heart. But the setting in Bethlehem was a very specific culture. Jesus came in to the culture that had, was set in their ways. It was a very specific time, a very specific place for God to mark history. 
in the shape of skin in a tiny human. God broke into history in the shape of skin in a vulnerable baby, a vulnerable human. So the question is, uh, what context has God called you to? I'm going to read something from one of my favorite books. It's called um, Radical Hospitality, uh, Benedict's Way of Love. It is the ordinary things we do to care for others that will make a difference in the most difficult situations. Suffering is inconvenient. It alters our plans. It takes a swipe at us when we're not looking. None of us likes or welcomes the sudden interruption or change that alters everything. But hospitality is not a planned event or a series of routine gestures. It is a stance of the heart that is abandoned to love capital L, love. Change is constant. Unload some of the stuff you've collected. I don't mean physical things. Unload. We can begin to see the stranger less as a disruption and more as a gift. The stranger is a lot like God, after all. God is constantly disrupting our best plans. God shows up when it is less than convenient. God is present no matter what we do to shoo him off. How we live with all these strangers who keep messing up our plans will determine the future for all of us. We don't have to have all the answers to companion the hurting. Actually, people who try to offer answers are not particularly comforting sometimes. Do we really think it would hurt less if we understood? Forget answers, be available. Be available with eyes wide open. Know that it is going to interrupt your well-planned life. This kind of hospitality moves you past yourself, helps you to transcend yourself, to put aside your own pain and feel someone else's is truly powerful. It is a power that can eventually trans transform the world. So this breaking in is important, so we can let God into our culture, our time. Okay, we can be vulnerable, we let go, so that we can be available and move past our relevant self, like the priest. It was a little bit of a disruption in his plans as a priest. I'm going to share another example from another one of my favorite authors from a book called The Dangerous Act of Worship. Have you ever thought of worship as dangerous? So I'm just going to read the foreword. Bear with me. This is, I'm actually coming to a close in my sermon here. So I'm going to read through this. The, the foreword for this book is written by um, the teaching pastor at 
Menlo Park Presbyterian Church. Nobody ever went up to Jesus after his blistering warning about religious hypocrisy and shook his hand and said, thanks, Rabbi, that was a great talk. Nobody went up to Jesus after the thunder, lightning, and loud trumpet blast at the foot of Mount Sinai and said, how come we're using trumpets now? <laughs> what happened to Miriam in the tambourine song we used to sing, Crossing the Red Sea? I liked that song. It was peppy. This thunder and trumpet stuff is too heavy. Nobody came up to Solomon after the ark had been brought to the temple when it was surrounded by the cloud of glory and said, you know, this cloud of glory is keeping the priests from getting their job done. Nobody told us that if we contributed to the capital campaign for the new temple that there would be fog involved. But the general sense occurs in the writings of scripture that when God shows up, people get blown away. They fall to the ground. They hide their face. They get radiant like light bulbs. They beg for mercy. Away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, we will listen, but do not have God speak to us, for we will die. The author of this book, Mark Laberton, he wants us to think about worship not as a service we attend occasionally, but as a life-altering recognition that someone, capital S, someone, has shown up and changed the rules that our society tells us to govern human existence. Worship, he says, is to be the new way of seeing and feeling that redraws boundaries, rewires connections, and redistricts how we govern ourselves. It subverts the way we decide who counts and who doesn't. In our day, the fray worship wars has become a familiar one to certain churches. Although there is surely something oxymoronic, oxymoronic about it, there are many views on the battles and questions that go on over aspects of style in worship, particularly around music. I would not know what that is all about. I'm kidding. It's every church I've been in. Every I don't think those are unimportant questions. It's good to ponder. Good to ponder the questions of God. It's not a bad thing. If there's different views or lenses, that's not a bad thing. Yale professor Nicholas Walterstorff once said that each people group, each generation, needs to be able to express its sense of worship in its own voice. Just like when I led worship in Spanish or in I don't know how many different languages. In a way that can resonate deep in the soul. It's somebody's heart song to God. It matters. And as our culture or conglomeration of subcultures keeps changing, these are not issues that the church can pretend will go away sometime soon. But Mark wants us to, keep, think, wants us to think about something deeper. Mark is this author. For even if there was an era where everybody in Christendom was using the same Gregorian chants, it does not mean that the ultimate worship challenge was solved. Mark wants us to understand that the profound questions that worship raises are, in a sense, masked by discussions of style or delivery systems within a worship service. So this book is a bell from the warning tower. It summons us to consider how we, not just the people who attend our churches, but also those of us who lead them, 
can listen to the, what the Spirit is saying in our day. It's an alarm clock telling us the sun has already risen. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Worship is what happens when people wake up. But worship must never be a series of isolated liturgical communal acts. It is to be embedded in a wakeful day. The prophet Micah said a long time ago that the divine requirements for a human life are not rocket science. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. Worship is the humble walk. It's the knee-buckling, jaw-dropping acknowledgement of the gap between the creator and the creature, the finite and the infinite, the sinful and the holy. It is a heart-rendering, spirit-mending, gratitude and joy of those who have tasted the wonder and words like redemption can only hint at. But apart from doing justice and loving mercy, worship is no more than a child's thank you means if it is accompanied with a selfish unwillingness to share what you claim to be thankful for. Okay, getting ready to close, so I want you to hear this. This is really powerful. Worship names what matters most. The way human beings are created to reflect God's glory by embodying God's character in lives that seek righteousness and do justice. Such comprehensive worship redefines what we call ordinary. Worship turns out to be the dangerous act of waking up to God and the purposes of God in the world and then living lives that actually show it. Worship then refers to something very big and very small and much in between. It can point to the meaning and the work of the whole created order. Worship can also be the cry of a mother or the joy of a new disciple. Worship can name a Sunday gathering of God's people, but it also includes how we treat those around us, how we spend our money, how we care for the lost and oppressed. Worship can encompass every dimension of our lives. True worship includes the glory and honor due to God, Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It also includes the enactment of God's love and justice, God's love and justice, mercy, and kindness in the world. So, what is worship? We just talked about a few aspects of it. So my charge for you, church, today, is to think about your culture. Think about your heart language. And start to learn the heart language of those around you. And then maybe start thinking beyond these walls, Helena. Maybe you need to just think Helena first. Um, and then beyond. And I know some of you, we all do that anyways, but just this week, I want you to focus on that. And be ready for the interruption this week. God's going to bring somebody or something to you. I encourage you to be vulnerable. Let go of your relevant self. Be available.
move past yourself. Oh, it's hard. I know it is so hard. Look to the model worshiper, Jesus Christ, so that you can be the carrier of Christ. Embrace radical hospitality. In doing so, you're embracing God. Embrace the dangerous act of worship. I have a preference when I go to churches. I've learned something in every church I've gone to. (laughs) I start learning the heart language of the church. It's a powerful thing because it's just one other aspect of God. I encourage you to listen to those around you. And just remember that Christ in you is the hope of glory. We sang about hope this morning. Christ in you is the hope of glory. He is the hope of redemption on earth. So that's, that's the very beginning. We're just touching the beginning of that. Thank you for having me this morning. And I love you guys. Can't wait to get to know a little more about your culture and your context.